Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, don't look now, but Michigan State is back atop the Big Ten standings. Yes, I know. It's only mid-January. But the Spartans have won seven straight games and are now 12-4 and four overall, 4-1 four and one in the league, tied with Purdue. We will discuss the team's latest win against Wisconsin and look ahead to two more big games coming up on episode 98 of Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. I'm Brandon Champion, joined by Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel on Thursday, January 12th, 2023. Uh, Kyle, how was Madison? Get to and from there uh, without too much trouble? Uh, yes. Uh, shout out to Delta. Uh, woke up a little freaked out as Matt can attest with a nationwide FAA shutdown, but, uh, thought I was going to be, uh, driving back with a couple of hooligans on the beat there for a minute, but, uh, but we made it and we're back in Michigan ready for another fun trip. Honestly, if you have to get stuck somewhere, uh, you can do a lot worse in the big 10 than Madison. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I told Matt, it's like, I'm just glad I'm not Lincoln right now. Yeah. Happy um, Valley. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Just like in the middle of nowhere, somewhere not even close. Like, yeah. Uh Matt, you were not in Madison, but you did make your your 2023 Breslin Center debut last weekend. Was it was it everything you hoped and dreamed for? It was a really good environment. Um, the game didn't live up to <laughs> the uh, the excitement from the crowd. That was a uh it's just kind of a boring basketball game and lacked a lot of rhythm and flow, but hey, eh, whatever. Uh, the the yeah. atmosphere was good and, you know, it's always good rivalry between those two schools. So, um, yeah. When they say Big Ten slobber knocker, that's what they're talking about right there, man. That was uh, I still enjoyed watching it. Obviously, it was a good result for, for for state people. Most people listening to this podcast will be happy with it, but it was. It was pretty gross uh, aesthetically. We'll probably touch on that game just a little bit. But like I said, probably going to focus on Wisconsin. Uh, also got some big, big 10 news that just came down. So uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, our work is at mlab.com slash Spartans. You can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, give us a rating or a review if you want to. But very much appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, so let's get into it, guys. Lots to cover today. Uh, right before we started recording, uh, rumored news that uh, Kevin Warren, Big Ten Commissioner, uh, would be accepting uh, the ro- a role with the Chicago Bears. I think these rumors first started breaking, what, a couple weeks ago. And the Bears announced it and made it official today. So Kevin Warren leaving the Big Ten uh, after a short but uh, eventful tenure, I would say. Uh, were you surprised by this news, Matt? Um, no, because once once the uh, the reports came out linking him to the Bears, it seemed like, and, and he issued that, you know, one of those classic – say nothing statements um so yeah it seemed like and you know that's where he came from he he came from the vikings to the big 10 i don't believe he had um any experience leading college athletics you know i know he was an athlete but um so yeah i mean one you know i guess if you want to be in the nfl i guess that's a job so and that what do you have like another year or so left on his contract but yeah i mean huge job um and and, um (laughs) one the big 10 is going to have to make the right hire on how, how would you guys, you know, it's, I said eventful, you know, we had the pandemic, we had a TV deal. 
uh, we had the UCLA USC thing. I mean, how would you, either of you can answer this and chime in, but like, you know, it was a short tenure, but I guess, you know, when we look back in history on Kevin Warren's big 10 tenure, do you think it's, it's going to leave a lasting impact or. Yeah. I mean, the addition of two schools in California is obviously <laughs> a monumental change. Um, and he oversaw that, but I, I do think overall he, he leaves the conference in a stronger position than he found it in um, because of that move and because of the media rights deal that he got done, which by all accounts is, um, you know, historic and, and how, how big it is, how much, how much more money it's going to to bring in for these schools and um, kind of how it positions the Big Ten right there where the SEC is, the you know, one of the top two conferences in the sport. So um, got off to a rough start, um, as Matt mentioned, with canceling a season for COVID, then restarting it. But um, I, I think he did well. I mean, people are going to disagree forever whether there should be two California schools in the Big Ten. But as far as a, a revenue, money, um, influence standpoint, um, uh, it, it helped the Big Ten in all those ways. Yeah, I would agree. From a financial standpoint, it's hard to say he didn't help the conference. You know, you can debate whether, like you just said, whether it's really sticking to the Big Ten tradition to have California teams. And I think he got some cre- uh, some flack for canceling the season, maybe a little bit too early, maybe maybe caving to you know the, the public pressure a little bit too early. I think he deserved some criticism for that. I think he kind of thought. It seemed like the back then, and we talked about it, but it seemed like he thought like all the conferences would kind of follow along. And then the ACC and SEC were basically like, no, we're going to keep playing football. And then he was kind of caught in a weird spot. So that was a crazy start, but that would have been a tough spot for anyone to get thrown into right at the start of your tenure. What kind of person do you think the Big Ten is going to be looking for to replace him? I mean, Kevin Warren was kind of an outside the box when he came in. Do you think, I mean, I, I'm not going to ask you to get for names, but like what kind of candidate do you think the Big Ten needs to look for? I mean, look at the last two hires for the the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Those are definitely outside the box hires, you know. Um, so maybe that's where they go. Uh, maybe they bring in, you know, somebody who would be more, I guess you'd say, you know, somebody who, well, a guy like Jim Phillips, you know, your obvious name, you know, former Northwestern president um, or athletic director, sorry. Um, and uh, he, he's been, what, is it a one year on the job at the, you know, leading the ACC? So, mm-hmm. Um, and he was in the running for the job last time around. So maybe that's an option. Um, <laughs> um, oh, geez. Why am I blanking on Ohio State athletic director's name? Smith. G- is it Gene? Yeah, Gene. Smith. Gene Smith. God, I can't believe I forgot that. But, you know, <laughs> he's obviously the most powerful voice among the athletic directors in the Big Ten. Um, so that would be interesting. But he's been at Ohio State a long time. So, yeah, I, I don't know which direction they're going to go, but this is a huge job, um, one of the most powerful jobs in all sports. So it'll be uh, interesting to see who they uh, bring in to uh, be the seventh commissioner. The the Pac-12 brought in a guy from MGM. Um, the Big 12 brought in a guy from Rock Nation. And Kevin Warren was in sports, but not in college sports, you know, for a long time. So, I mean, the, the trend is to go outside, and I wouldn't even venture to guess a name um, as far as who that would be. So, I think that's the first choice. Do you want to go outside like you've been going, or do you want to go the more traditional route uh, with the names that Matt just mentioned? So, we'll see. I, I would bet outside. I mean, the NCAA just hired the the governor of Massachusetts, <laughs> you know? Like, it feels like the out sort of outside the box, you know, new. I mean, because this is a brave new world we're in with college sports. So, I think it does make sense to – to bring someone who's maybe going to approach it from a financial or like a, a management side of things more so than just like a straight sports mind, because as we've seen, it's more than just sports with, with the big 10, with the NCA, with everything these days. So 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone kind of from the outside, but uh, just some notable news there. Not exactly, you know, Michigan State news, but obviously what happens in the Big Ten it affects the Spartans. So just wanted to touch on that for a little bit. Let's narrow in our focus here on the Spartan Confidential Podcast to the Spartans. Uh, Michigan State, Kyle, has really uh, been on a surge here. They've won seven games in a row. I mean, some decent wins in there. You know, Michigan uh, jumps out. Obviously, the big win at Wisconsin uh, that they're coming off of here. 69-65 win in Madison. Um, and, you know, that was a good win. Wisconsin was missing Tyler Wall, one of their best players, and I, I do think that impacted them. Not a perfect game for Michigan State, but it was a hard-fought competitive game throughout. And down the stretch, again, we see Michigan State's veterans making plays, uh, particularly A.J. Hogard. Yeah, made their last eight shots. Uh, they did not miss after, like, the nine-minute mark of the second half. Um, it was a little bit of back and forth, but overall played good defense. Um, had a lot, a fair amount of turnovers for the game. I think it was 14 total, um, but only one in like the last six minutes. So, so really cleaned it up. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's what we talked about. It's a veteran team that's not overly talented, but um, has played in a lot of these sorts of games and it, more often than not is figuring it out how to win. Um, you know, you look at the the winning time lineup they're going with, if you want to call it winning time, Um Three seniors, two juniors, um, uh, and, and not a lot of teams can say that. Um, Malik Hall, Joey Hauser, Tyson Walker, um, and then A.J. Hogarth and Mati Sissoko. That's who they finished with um, pretty much the entire seven minutes. They subbed out Sissoko a little bit offense for defense at the end in the last 30 seconds. But they pretty much rolled with that five and a lot of experience there. And as Tommy Joe pointed out, too, a lot of experience together. You know, Tyson Walker is the new guy, you know, in his second year has already played a ton of games, but most of those guys have played together three years. And that's just not something that a lot of a lot of basketball teams have. We'll, we'll talk to Illinois. I, I think it's really inter- talk about Illinois later, I should say. But it, it's really interesting contrast. That's a team that really loaded up on talent. And I think on paper should be better than Michigan State. But Michigan State has been able to they have the longest winning streak in the Big Ten, I think, because they have those guys there. They've been. Pretty steady, I think, overall. Um, and just they know how to win these games and know how to make big plays. Uh, I mean, Joey Hauser hits the big three-pointer to put him ahead. Um, Malik Hall kind of got back down to his his um, his kind of post-up moves and, and got him going. And then A.J. Hogar just, just crafty at the end. Um, so they've got a lot of options, a lot of veterans, and um, and they're finding a way to get it done. AJ is, he's just really impressing me. I mean, we've known AJ has had this ability for a while now. He's in his junior season now. We've talked about him playing more under control, being less aggressive towards the basket. Obviously, he was at the end of the game against Wisconsin because he had to be. But he just seems to be, the thought process seems to be so much better for him. I mean, he still is going to have some some plays when he goes a little too hero ball and, you know, gets in his feels. He's a, You can tell his body language when he's feeling it because he's doing a little chirping. He's got that swagger to him. Sometimes I think he gets a little bit out of control, but it really seems like AJ sort of stepping into that, you know, Michigan State point guard, run the team. I mean, just look at some of the passes he had, that bullet to Mahdi on the pick and roll, that sort of cross-court one to uh, – to uh, Tyson Walker to knock down the three. I mean, my jaw just hits the floor so many times with AJ. I think he's up to fourth in assist rate in the country. He's averaging close to double digit assists like for over the last like six games. Does it feel like he's sort of coming into his own in your eyes? He is. And there's actually a different aspect of his game that I look at more that I think um, he's been the biggest turnaround and that's his turnovers. Um, 
I'm, I got his uh, his game by game up right now, and it's pretty remarkable. The first eight games of the year, he had three turnovers or more in every single game. It's three, four, five, three, four, three, five, three, and then somehow after that Notre Dame game in which they played terribly um, as a team. Um, he just started figuring it out and he has had, not had more than two turnovers in a game in eight straight games, two, two, one, one, two, one, one, two for turnovers, which for a Michigan state point guard, handling the ball as much as he has pushing the break. Um, and for a guy, frankly, who has a history like him of turning the ball over a lot, um, that's a pretty remarkable midseason turnaround for him as far as his decision making. And you can you can see it in kind of individual moments, I think, between in the game. You'll see him kind of going on the break with a head of steam there. And in in past he would have barreled into a guy taking a charge or done something wild and lost it out of bounds. And now you'll see him kind of pull up with that two-foot jump stop, make a good pass, you know, make a pull-up shot or something like that. Um, just better decision making. He he still got the plays that, that you mentioned, the, the awesome pass. He did, it was kind of like a whip around pass he did to Midas Silver. I don't even know how he saw that. He passed it basically like behind a dude's head um to get to him. So he can still do stuff like that. But I'm on I'm I think I'm honestly more impressed by the stuff he's not doing, if that makes sense. You know, it's like he he's making those plays, but he'd have a couple of those every game where he tried to make a play like that and it didn't work out. Um, he's, he's cut those out and he's just being a lot smarter with the ball. And we talked to him a lot about this. I thought the Michigan game, he was really impressive in, in that way. And he talked about um, kind of trusting. I think time Izzo had been telling him to do this for a long time. And he kind of fought it. He's kind of a hard headed kid in a good, which can be a good thing, by the way, not all bad, um, but he was kind of hard headed about it for a while, but I think he's kind of come around and he's trusting a little bit more. And I think, Tom Izzo is trusting him a little bit more. I don't think he's getting on him um, as much. You can see it in games. So they're in a better place. The relationship is better. AJ's making better decisions. And I, I think he's a really good point guard for them right now. Interior defense, still a concern, I'd say. Uh, Stephen Crowell really was just unstoppable at times down in the post for Wisconsin. You know, I, I, that's obviously going to be a concern moving forward with guys like Dane Danger and then Zach Eady, who is just having a phenomenal season for Purdue. I did think, you know, can we talk about Carson Cooper for a quick sec? I wrote about Carson really, Cooper today. <laughs> because he was noticeable, right? He had a couple really good stretches, I thought. I mean, he sometimes is still getting beat on, on uh, you know, defense. But he really made some big impact plays when Michigan State needed it in that Wisconsin game, I thought. I thought so, too. I mean, he had one stretch where he blocked Crowell, um, ran all the way, ran the floor uh, pretty well for a 6'11", 7-footer. Um, and then got an offensive rebound on the other end and it turned into a Tyson Walker bucket. So that's like a four point swing there. Um, and, you know, for, for what this kid was, a, a kid that basically no high major wanted um, into May was going to do a, a, a post-grad year or, or go to a small school. I mean, he's in playing 12 minutes um, on the road um, against, uh, you know, Stephen Crowell, not Ethan Happ or uh, Frank Kaminsky, but against a decent Big Ten big man. Um, you know, I, I think that he, he's been a plus for them. And, um, you know, Madi had had a weird game. He, you know, he, he took the inadvertent elbow and, and was playing with a bandage over his eye, which I think clearly affected him. Israel said he got a couple of stitches. So yeah, they said five on the broadcast. Did they say five. OK, yeah. So he, he. For finishing that game and being tough, but I mean, you're not going to be the same doing that. Um, oh, and he was it, rough coming out of the locker room. Yeah, he, like, he, he had a terrible stretch. I'm like, is he okay? Like, yeah. should he be playing? I was actually thinking that. 
Yeah, and it was just not a, it was just not a Jackson Kohler matchup. So the, they needed him, and yeah, I mean Stephen Crowell scored 19 points, but I, I thought I thought it could have been worse. Um, and uh, I thought we saw Carson Cooper grow up a little bit. Jaden Aikens playing a little too out of control against Wisconsin. I thought. Yeah, uh, maybe, but uh, he had the one basket in the second half. He didn't dunk it, but he rose, got above the rim, and laid it in right there, and. I looked to who was sitting next to me, Graham. I said, that's the first time since the Villanova game. I feel like I've really seen his athleticism. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he'd gotten he back, he was points. playing, he, he had 12 points, but I really think he's, he's showing that explosiveness finally again. And, and he's had a long road back. Uh, he's been playing for a while, but he really hasn't been himself because it's hard for a player. Like I, I think Malik Hall has come back and, and looked like himself pretty quickly because He's a veteran guy. He was out less time, but he also doesn't rely on that like superhero athleticism quite as much. He's kind of more your crappy veteran. Jay Nakins, it's tough for because he spent a lot of time out and his best attribute is just that he can jump out of the gym. And I think that's just going to, you know, that takes a little bit longer to come back than, um, than some other things. But I, he's told us um, that he's felt totally normal the last couple of games. And I think he finally looks like himself again. And yeah, he, he was wild at times. He's still a sophomore. He doesn't have a lot under his belt, but he made some plays and he's getting to the rim and, um, and um, finishing around the hoop, which is something that I think this team really needs more of. Yeah, and Michigan State wants him to be aggressive. He needs to be mm-hmm. a scorer for them. So, Matt, you saw this team versus Michigan up, up close and personal. What's your assessment of, of Michigan State this year so far? Uh, you know, probably about the, the average take we've been talking about. I mean, no real stars on this team. You know, you don't have that one. You don't have the, uh, you know, the, the Winston or the Tillman. But, you you know, you've got solid pieces in there, and it's a veteran team. You know, we've. We've talked about this ad nauseum, you know, Izzo sticking with his guys and going with the smaller lineup and not bringing in, you know, portal additions to chase somebody off. So, I mean, it's like Kyle was talking about earlier, it's more experienced, um, more experienced playing together. And you can see that at times. And it just I think it's a, a solid team. You know, did you think coming into the season they would be a top five team? No. But early on, you thought, wait a minute. Maybe this maybe this team better than expected, and then you know obviously they hit that little lull, you know, with the injuries to uh, Aikens and Hall. But um, yeah, I just think I think it's, this thing is a solid team. Um, no mm-hmm. real that this is a tournament team, and this will be a team that you know you're not going to that that'll you know be near the top of the Big Ten, at, you know, come the end of the season. I feel. Yeah, I've been I've been like kind of wondering and thinking like because it seems like Michigan State is really the last two years and even this year, it seems like they just sort of are like flying under the radar a lot. They're just kind of like going about their business. I think it's because they haven't been like really bad, but they also haven't been really good. Like none of their metrics jump out off the page. They don't really have a star player yet. Uh, I think AJ Hallgard are starting to turn into a star in some ways, but uh, they have a lot of good players and they, and it reminds me of sort of like the 04 Pistons, you know, where the, the pieces seem to fit together pretty good. I mean, they're really just missing like a dominant big man. I, th- I think if they had a dominant big man, this team could be final four good. I mean, maybe they can still make a run, but they obviously aren't going to have that anytime soon. We're, I mean, Purdue's the heavy favorite. Ken Palm, I think has them winning the big 10 by what, like five games, Kyle, like it's ridiculous. So like what, I mean, where do you see Michigan state falling into the hierarchy? I could see them finishing anywhere from like probably second to sixth. I'm not sure they have enough down low to win the big 10. Um, but you know, they seem to be a quality team. And if they win this weekend, they're obviously going to be ranked again. Yeah. I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I totally understand the predictive net metrics because Purdue, I mean, yeah, you're right. They have 
Ken Palm has them winning by three. Um, uh, oh, no, wait. No, yeah, three games, um, 15 and five. But, like, so I guess I guess that makes sense. But, like, man, everyone's getting close to Purdue. And Rutgers got them. But, like, Ohio State was, was right there with them. Um, other teams have been right there with them. Who am I thinking? Nebraska took them to overtime. So, like, they're not head and shoulders, like, beating everybody. Um, and so um, I, I do think they're the best team. Um, yeah, I see Michigan State in that next group. But I, I do want to go back to what, what Matt said just about, you know, the kind of the courses it took. Because I find it fascinating, the team they're playing next, Illinois, to me kind of went the complete – opposite route um they have let me, let me bring up the picture they brought up three three high level transfers you know Terrence shannon um danger and uh matt mayer from uh from baylor and four freshmen so like pretty much completely new team but like a ton of talent on that team and they have just been all over the place you know beat beat texas in overtime uh beat ucla those are two top 10 net teams right now but then get stomped by Missouri, stomped by Penn State, um, stomped by Northwestern, double-digit losses to all of them. They alternated win-loss, win-loss from late November until Tuesday when they finally won two in a row, like just all over the place. So that's, to me, that's like the trade-off. Like Illinois gets more talent, but obviously it's hard to get those guys quickly to become a team and play well together. Michigan State doesn't make the portal additions. Everybody wanted them to. Um and they're not as talented. Thomas will be the first to admit that, but they won seven straight and they don't have the huge wins that they do, but they've just been steadier overall. So that's, to me, that's kind of the decision um, that Izzo made, uh, which we've talked about a lot, but I just think Illinois just kind of crystallizes it to me because that's the direction everybody wants your team to go. Go load up on all these transfers, all these five-star freshmen. Shoot, one of the five-star freshmen is already gone. Yeah. I was gonna say um, Scott Clark and, has already left the program. And they might and then and they've won two straight since he left, um, which tells you something. Um yeah. so yeah, I mean it's I mean Brad Underwood did what every fan base wants their coach to do, and maybe they'll end up figuring out going on a run. They've got the talent to do it, but the point the point is, and this has been proved by many teams besides Illinois, like it it's not just roll the ball out there with a bunch of talent and you're a good team. There's more to it than that. So um yeah. Ask John Calipari about that, Kyle. Yeah, things are going <laughs> things are going great for him. So, um, you know, maybe Michigan State doesn't have the highest ceiling, but I I do think we've seen a little validation of Tommy Hughes' approach in the squad. Is there anything like a nine p.m. tip in Champagne, Kyle? I mean, is it isn't it just what everyone loves? Well, the, so the nice thing about a nine p.m. tip in Champagne is you can go to Papa Del's Pizza, which has this great uh, deep dish. It takes like an hour to cook. It's basically like a lasagna, but it's a pizza. Um, uh, but you know, you can't really do that for a 7 p.m. Eastern tip at six o'clock, you know. But for the nine o'clock tip, that's the only, that's the only nice thing. <laughs> How can you yeah. eat a deep dish pizza before a nine o'clock basketball game? I would be asleep under the table. <laughs> <laughs> we used to, for the early tips, we used to call at halftime and place our order and say, We'll be there, we'll be there after the game, and we go pick up the deep dish pizza and, and eat it while we work. So it's a, it's a staple of the, of the Michigan State beat. Well, they're going to be turned up there in Champaign. I mean, I think this is a team that could use a marquee win. You know, they've rebounded a little bit since that that rough stretch or the back and forth stretch you were talking about, but they're going to be pumped up there. Uh, this would be a big win, a good win for Illinois. It always seems to be Super Bowl atmosphere whenever Michigan State goes and plays there. Um, so it should be a, a good game. And if Michigan State pulls that one off, it's going to set up a 
a huge showdown back at Breslin against Purdue, which is on a Monday at 2.30, a Martin Luther King Day special. What is with the Friday-Monday schedule, Kyle? I don't know how to deal with this as a basketball person. You know. I don't know, man. Go ask, go ask TV. Figure out. Figure <laughs> it's out. really bizarre. I mean, it's not really what we're used to, but obviously, you know, containing Zach Eady is going to be a concern for Michigan State, considering, you know, who they have in the front court. Going to probably have to be by a team effort. They might have to double him, you know. We saw Michigan State struggle to t- stick on shooters. Same thing with Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Like, these teams that run these sets to and run their stuff well to get shooters open, Michigan State has seemed to have some issues with, whether it's going under screens or just getting lost in the fray. Um, Purdue's a team that's going to do that, too, especially using an inside-out presence like ED. So that's going to be a challenge for Michigan State. But at the Breslin, that, that could be a huge atmosphere if Michigan State could take care of Illinois first. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's an atmosphere can be at two o'clock on a on a Monday. Um, but a lot of people uh, have day off, though. Yeah, so. I guess so. I mean, it, it'll be fine. The Asian will be fine. They were they were really good, as, as Matt mentioned. I thought um, against Michigan, that was their first team back. But yeah, I mean, I haven't I haven't thought forward to Purdue a lot, but um, yeah, obviously you're looking at doubling, and, and can you double and still keep out on those shooters, including uh, Fletcher Lawyer making his Breslin Center debut. I think he's going to be hitting a lot of big shots in the Big Ten here um, over the next several years. Um, but um, Tommy's always seemed a little bit more willing than usual to do the double team uh, this year. Um, I don't know if that's just a change in his thinking, but um, obviously they're doing it against Hunter Dickinson. It worked well. They surprised me a little bit in doubling Crowell at times um, against Wisconsin. And I didn't think that worked out as well. I thought they gave up more, as you mentioned, more open threes than you think. And um, I, I thought that they were actually lucky Wisconsin didn't hit more of them. But yeah, I think you got to do it against Purdue and, and try to thread that thread that needle again, because Purdue certainly has the shooters to uh, to hurt you there. Purdue, you mentioned Fletcher Royal, uh, Fletcher Lawyer, but I mean they're also running with Braden Smith. I mean they have two freshman guards, right. and you know I don't know if they're most they're the most athletic guards either. So I, you know they're good players, but they are young. They're going to be coming into a, a heated environment. Michigan State upset Purdue last year at the Breslin Center. I actually don't. Aside from the ED thing, I actually think Michigan State could match up decently with them. Um, defensively but we'll have to see i'm talking about it now because we're not going to record again before monday so that's why i brought it up but uh um let's see is there anything else that we should touch on here um for with basketball or should we just get to matt's uh football news corner here we'll say real quickly if we want to have um if we want to have a lineup discussion um azo kind of surprisingly dropped after practice somebody asked him about um start about starting lineup and he said yeah we, we might change it after purdue which I don't think I've ever heard him or another coach say like, Hey, in two games, I'm going to, I might change the lineup, but there has been kind of this decision coming. Malik Hall is getting healthier and healthier. He's looking more and more like himself, but you've won seventh straight. You know, do you, do you mess <laughs> with the lineup or do you just leave things as it is? Um, and also how much does the lineup really matter? You know, yeah. it's not, it's not the starters that have been in the game, um, during the most important times lately. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys care or have any thoughts about that, but I found it interesting, I guess, that they're talking about changing the lineup when they're winning and playing so well. And I'm, I like, I'm assuming that would be Aikens out, uh, but he yeah. mentioned Tyson Walker's name too, uh, which would be kind of the other way to go there. Um, but I mean, I, I, I'm kind of in the don't mess with it camp, but I'm, yeah. but I was a little surprised. I mean, but also, like Malik Hall is not a guy who's going to be moody or pouty or something about coming off the bench. Like he would, um, he's come off the bench a lot and doesn't care. So I don't know. I guess that stood out to me uh, the other day. 
they have six starters. They really yeah. do. I mean, they can and they can play mix and match them based on the situation they need. You know, if they want to go small ball, whatever, mm-hmm. take Mati out, and then you can have Aikens in or whatever. I mean, they really have those core six that are sort of interchangeable, I think. So um, Pierre Brooks didn't play much the other night, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Is he kind of – I know Tom said he wanted to get him more minutes, but is it just the defensive limitations with him you think that's keeping him off the court? Or is it just uh, yeah. These guys are back. You know? It's it's mostly that I thought I think he took like one kind of rush three. I don't think it was terrible, but one of those early shot clock threes Tom doesn't like. So I think that in the defense was was probably it. I don't think I mean he'll he'll play more going forward. Yeah, they have guys. I think, and it's going to depend. Like we said, they with no real star player. I mean, obviously they they have the core four. I would call them uh, with Hauser Hall, Tyson and AJ. Tyson and AJ just play so well together. I wouldn't be messing mm-hmm. with that. Um, so, all right, well, I think that'll cover it for basketball. Obviously, two big games coming up. We'll react to them next week when we record. Um, but, yeah, Illinois and Purdue, two of the preseason favorites in the uh, Big Ten, which, by the way, speaking of preseason favorites, Kyle, our, uh, our ushering off of Indiana is looking like a pretty good call there. Uh, I, I feel bad gloating about it because they've lost dudes, you know. Um, <laughs> they, they've lost two good players to injury, but they should still be better than this. And yeah, they weren't um, great even with those guys. No, I so count me as less than shocked that um, <laughs> that that's happened in Indiana. Although we've talked about Illinois, that was my pick to win it. That's not looking great either. So um, can't go. We did much. both put Purdue like top four though when we did our preseason. When they were definitely preseason, were a little lower, and we were both like, "We're going to bank on Matt Painter." Right, Matt. Matt Painter's still a coach. They're going to finish in the top four. Um, I did not have uh, Northwestern sitting there looking like one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Um, or, or that's right. helping Michigan State. Yeah, yeah, that loss does not look as bad at all. No, but it's early. Like I said, off the top, it's it's mid January, so there's a long ways to go in this Big Ten season. It's definitely gonna be fun to track. Uh, Matt, quickly, football football season still happening here. Uh, run us down with the latest news. I think we had another a, a notable transfer out, right? Yeah, well, um, I think it was it was the same day we recorded last week or right after that. But um, defensive line coach and defensive run game coordinator Marco Coleman is taking a job at Georgia Tech. Hasn't been officially announced by Georgia Tech, but I mean, he changed his Twitter pod profile to Georgia Tech coach and was out handing out offers for them like a day later. So, um, yeah, I'd say that's a pretty much a done deal. So interesting. He goes back to his alma mater where he was coaching before after, you know, he spends just one season at Michigan State. So it would be interesting to see the hire Mel makes there because, you know, I think you kind of need a veteran in the position, you would think. You know, you got Brandon Jordan, who's, you know, we all know about, you know, what he does with the pass rush, you know, his what his resume is. So, but, you know, being a full-time coach in that position, I, I don't know. Um, so there's going to be uh, one new, at least one new uh, assistant on Mel staff. Uh, so that'll keep up a trend that's happened. Uh, this will be the third straight year. Um, and after that, the other guy on that line. Or he was the assistant line. I'm sorry. Kevin Vickerson, right? He's the. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's an analyst, but you know, however you want to, you want to put it assistant defensive line coach. I mean, obviously Kevin Vickerson's resume speaks for itself. You know, he was obviously a a very successful player, Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if Mel goes in house, that would be, that would be interesting, but um, you know, Vickerson would be a guy who has the playing experience and, and not as much um, of the coaching experience. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, and obviously Scotty Hayes has got, you know, their DC has got experience coaching up front too. So um, yeah, we'll see when Mel makes that hire. Um, and then as far as roster news is concerned, um, left, starting left guard JD Duplain and center Nick Samak, who Mel in December said he both, 
he anticipated both would return, both uh, confirmed they're going to be back. So um, that's obviously obviously significant. Uh, you get those two guys that are back for their final year of eligibility and, you know, lots of experience there. And then uh, Jeff Petrowski, uh, junior defensive end, entered the portal. And that was one of the – not many of these I, I'm, I'm surprised by at all. That one was a little bit surprising. Um, you know, here's a guy that was – a you know, he played – he was underrated recruit. People didn't decide – you know, he's not big – he doesn't have the length to play on on the end. But, you know, he comes in and he plays all seven games as a true freshman. Uh, all 13 games in 2021 had a good year, I thought. Uh, you know, five and a half sacks, I think. Uh, and then this year he was – you know, he started the first three games till he got hurt at Washington, and then that that was his season right there. So – I was kind of surprised uh, to to see him enter the portal and he's going to Wisconsin. So that'll reunite him with, uh, with uh, Trestle over there. Who's uh, who followed uh, fickle to, uh, to Wisconsin. So um, interesting. Uh, One of the trends I think is that early in, you know, the first kind of wave out for players when, you know, Mel's turning over the roster, you know, you didn't see a lot of guys going power five. That was very notable. And it's kind of a change now. So, you know, Petrowski to Wisconsin, um, Jeremy Bernard to Washington, Deshaun Mallory to Arizona State, Jack Stone to Baylor. You know, so there's, you know, some more guys. Uh, Terry Lockett, a uh, receiver who didn't, uh, he left the team during the season before entering the portal. He just announced his commitment to Eastern. So there's an up-to-date uh, news nugget. But, um, yeah, you're seeing some of these guys that leave get, um, I don't know, so some higher-level um, transfer opportunities. So um, and Wisconsin is not on the schedule next year no. for anyone who's wondering. So they won't have to face Petrowski unless they, you know, obviously would meet up in a big 10 championship game. I'm not sure that would be the preseason pick, at least not for Michigan state. Uh, but you know, you never know. Um, and yeah, Michigan state brought a lot of guys in on the defensive line. So this is the downside of bringing in transfers um, and whatnot. You know, sometimes guys who are productive are going to leave. Uh, and then one other thing I, we, we were talking about the offensive line, obviously getting those two guys back is big. Michigan State does need to improve on the offensive line. Do you think Keyshawn Blackstock is going to be a immediate sort of option on the O line? Yeah, you know, because you bring in a guy that's you know JUCO transfer, and he had some obviously the offers he had um, were, were pretty good, um, and he picked obviously picked Michigan State. So yeah, he's a definitely a contender. You bring back what would you call it three and a half starters? I guess you'd say you know Duplain, Samac, Spencer Brown. Those are your three starters. Um, then with, you know, uh, Horst gone, um, you get Brandon Baldwin back and he started what five games, I think this four games, five, five games a season. Um, so you, you like that, you know, it's pretty decent experience. Um, we saw Gino Vandermark getting some run late last year. Um, so maybe him at right guard, I don't, you know, and, and some of those interior positions, um, you know, Chris Kapilovic will like has moved some guys around at times. It's a little harder to go guard to tackle um, than tackle to guard, obviously. Um, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see what kind of combination they came up with. But um, <laughs> I guess I guess for uh, the the fans who want to see an actual spring game, uh, you got to hope their o- offensive line health is a little bit better uh, in in April than it was this year, when they were um, extremely shorthanded to say the least. Yeah, Michigan State needs better health overall if they're going to do bad, make another step forward this season. But I think that's going to do it for today's episode of the Spartan Confidential Podcast. Uh, Kyle, will are you going to Champagne, Kyle? You are right. You're getting that yes, uh, there are like there's like one foot a day into Champagne now, so I'll be hitting the road on uh, on Friday. All right, but I'll well, get Kyle pizza. will be. 
Yeah, he got pizza. You got to make the road trip for pizza. Uh, <laughs> Kyle will be in Champaign then on uh, tomorrow night, and he will be at the Breslin Center, obviously, on Monday. Uh, a couple big games for Michigan State. Matt will be at the Breslin as well. Mm-hmm. All right, good to see. Two thumbs up. More more basketball takes coming from Matt Wenzel, so look forward to that. Um, but, yeah, it's a big stretch for Michigan State, and it goes beyond even these two games. But the Spartans are surging, and if they continue to do so, they'll definitely get more national attention and find themselves in the rankings next week. Um, so that'll do it for today's episode. For Kyle Austin and Matt Wendell, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to M Live Spartan Cowboys podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and go green.